Look up there in the sky. It's a bird, a plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One Black Agar Baltagon. One Crusher Creel. One Fortnightly Discussion of Comics and Nerd Culture. I'm your host, Robbie Dorman, literature geek and writer. I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour, your home for news reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. It's episode 216. So why not Carl Creel? Crusher sounds better. I mean, it does, but Black Bolt sounds better than Black Agar Baltagon. I know, but they make a joke about the Black Agar Baltagon thing, so I thought I'd do that instead. It took them this long. It did. It seemed like really low-hanging fruit. I, I I mean, but if it's there, it hasn't been picked, hasn't fallen off the tree, you grab it. I suppose that's true. Ooh, ominous. On a night <laughs> just like this. We're recording in the middle of a thunderstorm. <laughs> In case that sound didn't come through. <laughs> no, no, that was my soundboard. I'm, not, I'm We're doing a spooky episode. <laughs> I'm gonna cue the witch's laugh, and then yeah. bats, bats flying by. Uh, hey guys, Frankenstein chain clanking. <laughs> hey, handsome, it's Frankenstein's monster chain clanking. Thank you very much. How dare you, Doctor Technicality? Mm-hmm. It's most the, the, be, the best kind of correct. We are discussing later on Nerbo Book Club uh, Black Bolt uh, volumes one and two. By Saladin Ahmed and Christian Ward, including which includes both Mr. Blackagar Boltagon and Crusher Creel. Your name's Blackagar Boltagon, and your code name is Black Bolt. Dude. <laughs> I mean, it's it's if if it's a question you haven't asked yourself at this point. Mm-hmm. And humans don't think like they don't just they don't think like that. I guess. I guess not. He's like, it is natural. My that is my name. So why wouldn't I just shorten it? Of course. We'll be talking Wait, about that. Black, is Black Bolt a thing? What? <laughs> we'll be talking about that later on. Uh, before that, though, we have some comic books that came out this, well, this past two weeks to talk about. <laughs> there it goes. I'm going to say, I don't know how you can even hear it. <laughs> There's some lightning. Uh, it is time for our first segment. It's time for Fobby's Fortnightly. Fobby's Fortnightly is when Eric and I will read a selection of the past couple weeks' books to buy or do not buy them. Tell you what we think about them, if we're mushy or not, on our feelings. Our first book is X-Men Gold, number 30, written by Mark Guggenheim, art David Marquez, colors Matt Wilson, letters Corey Pettit. I, we might not have read this, except that I saw some things online, and then I went, oh, they they pulled a trick. Mm-hmm. They, they, Marvel pulled a trick on us, because, spoilers colossus and kitty are the ones gonna are on the on the cover and they're like it's it's all leading up to their marriage and then trick they don't get married and it's other people that get married what do you think about this ruse eric i want to throw this book in the trash <laughs> more lightning to thunder to yeah to really to feeling. punctuate my point you don't like it i no i don't like being tricked mm-hmm. i don't i don't like these dumb twists in the end of the book i don't it's no it's silly i don't care for this 
I mean, even leading up to this, it's just like so schmaltzy and saccharine that it just turned my stomach to, to begin with. And then it goes down that road. I was very unhappy with that. Don't, you don't, how do you feel about Gambit and Rogue as a married couple? Um, I don't know. That was really kind of my introduction to both characters, really, is knowing that they were an item. So, sure. Like, it's fine-ish. I, honestly, I think Rogue would be... Rogue is fundamentally a much more interesting character than Gambit. I mean... I, I don't know. Eric, I could Eric, definitely hey, see a still. Wait, one, one second, all right? Gambit? He can throw exploding playing cards. Are you sure you want to make that statement that Rogue's more important and more interesting than him? He throws yes. cards and they explode. Um, he yeah. has with that. he has a pole and he hits people with it. It's true. He's a thief. Mm -hmm. He talks like Pepe Le Pew. You're still sta sticking with Rogue is more interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Got it. I'm just want to make sure we have all the evidence. All the all the cards on the table, as it were. <laughs> as it were, I, yeah. I don't. Apparently, I don't know if I don't know if this is true. This is hearsay, rumor, innuendo. But uh, there are there is word floating around that this is editorial mandate, in that Guggenheim wanted this the w original Kitty and Colossus wedding to go through, but editorial mandated the the change to have. Rogue and Gambit, you get married. <laughs> Perfect. It's really dramatic. It really is. I uh, I don't. Either way, I I don't. Yeah, I don't want. I would like them to get. I like that. I like. I like Peter and Kitty as a couple, an X Men couple. Um, I don't know why Kitty is never allowed to be in a relationship for longer than any for a certain period of time, and then it's over. Uh. I mean, there is even a page in here where she's, like, explaining why they can't get married, and it even sounds like it's a bunch of crap that they had to make up at, at the last minute. But the pages had to be drawn. I don't, I don't know. It, it doesn't – there's no adequate reason why they're not married other than, oh, we're mutants, and we need drama in our lives because mm -hmm. we're the subject of fiction. Um, I don't – I guess in Rogue, I, I, I'm – more interested in a Rogue and Gambit as a married couple comic than I am in either of them individually. So there's that, but I'm I don't really care about either of those characters, honestly. My I, I like Kitty a lot. I like Colossus a lot. I don't really mm -hmm. like I don't really like I don't like Gambit and Rogue is alright. Um I this comic looks nice. Uh Dave Marquez is a great artist. Um I it's not like I don't know. It's not like the writing is bad, but it is a, a mean trick. I don't. I don't appreciate it. I think like if you hijack your friend's wedding that they called off, you're kind of an asshole, and everyone just goes along with it. They're probably just like, "Oh, it's Gambit. He's so sleazy. He can't afford a wedding. <laughs> Let him have it." Yep, he had to steal a wedding. <laughs> he had to steal. He's a he is a thief. <laughs> 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 oh, crawfish. Sh oh. Sherry. Pull down balls. <laughs> Are you a buyer? Fuck no. <laughs> I'm a I'm with you. It, I don't know. It's it's the direction of this thing. It just feels gross. It's pretty icky. So 
Double Do Not Buy and X-Men Gold number 30. Next up is Tony Stark Iron Man number one, written by Dan, Sl- Dan Slott, artist uh, Valerio Shidi, colors Edgar Delgado, letters Joe Caramagna. Man, this credit page looks so like 1999 with the mm-hmm. font. Ugh, it doesn't, I don't like it at all. But straight off the straight off box art for the first Matrix movie. Yeah. So this is a dance lot. This is his new gig. No more of Spider Man now. I, and they want to make sure, hey, this is Tony Stark Iron Man. This isn't one of them other other people. All right. Mm-hmm. Please buy this comic book. Tony Stark is Iron Man again. Um, but Dan Slott's new gig, right in Iron Man. What do you think? Um, it is dumb and fun. I mean, I swear to God, I'm not in a haunted house, guys. <laughs> no ghost in here, I swear. Uh, no, this is. It, 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 I don't know. It's 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 dumb and over the top and relatively successful because I'm okay with like it being cartoonish and stupid and fighting Fin Fang Foom in a Iron in Man. a fucking like Voltron. It doesn't. Well, it's like a um, Voltron. Yeah, yeah. I heard, I heard Ultron. Not, yes, well, it's a lot like Voltron. I wonder where those people got their names from. Uh, yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? Yeah. I mean. It, it, Story-wise, I couldn't find the 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 first part of this interesting at all. Where was this this the, after the credit scene? Was yeah, this... the after the credit scene really that is the I I would think I was totally fine with this 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 mm-hmm. issue as like it is not this is an introduction. It is not like I this the the last page is the only thing that's actually hinting at the first arc really. It is this yeah. is more of an introduction. Like here is Dan Slott writing what he how he thinks Stark Industry works. And how Tony Stark works. And you're like, okay, all right. It's goofy and fun. And I'm all right with Tony Stark finally getting a break from completely impossibly serious topics in every every comic book that he's in. Like Avengers, it's much like kind of silly and comic booky, And so is this. And then you get to that last, the, the stinger page, whatever it is, where you get this villain that I don't know who it is. Maybe I'm supposed to know, but. It's Cyber. It looks like him, but it, I know it's not. <laughs> the controller is his name. Mm-hmm. But then we see that you know his the security lady for Stark is under his control, and then his last line, doubtful, Miss Cabe, because first you'd have to catch the one person you could never outsmart, yourself. I wish the lightning could strike right now. Oh down. my, it's just, I guess that, it, I guess it makes sense with the tone of this book. I just, oof, oof. Um, but that aside, I, I think the art suits the mm-hmm. the book very uh, well. I don't know, considering what the cover of the next book looks like, I don't know if they're going to be moving artists. I don't know what the... Because I, I don't know, I can't, like, there was a time when I would go, oh, it, of course, it'll be the same artist in the next issue, right? And then I'm, I don't know, I don't know anymore. Um, but, you know, Fin Fang Foom's in this comic book, I'm, it's hard for me, I'm a sucker. It's an odd decision to not put the purple pants on him. Yeah, his diaper, he needs his diaper. Mm-hmm. I'm a buy. I think I'm. I it's a ten- tentative. I think I'm a buy. I think I'm gonna look into the. We're gonna. I'll read some of it. 
I've liked Dan Slott in everything he's written except for Spider-Man, and this is not Spider-Man. So, tentative buy. Yeah, I think I'm on the exact same page with you. So, Tony Stark, Iron Man, number one, double buy. <laughs> oh, man. So dramatic. Mm-hmm. I can't help it. Our next book is Thor, number one, uh, written by Jason Aaron. Uh, main story art, Mike Del Mundo, with color assist from Marco D'Alfonso. And the backup story, art, Christian Ward, with letters by Joe Sabino. This is really why there's there's thunder on the podcast is we're just we're just so excited that thor's back i so I, are you unhappy with this no i like it a lot i just i'm I gonna say this seems like a real slam dunk for you no it is i'm just saying that's what i was about to say is like it's thor jason aaron mike domingo mm-hmm. christian ward mm-hmm. all great all oh yeah there's the, the motherfucking juggernaut is in here Gets, it gets his clock cleaned. He does with oh, many hammers. Mm-hmm. A slew of hammers. Get a, a big cast of characters that Jason Aaron has built up over you know years now, writing Thor in various iterations that are all fun and looks like yay Thor Mad Max is coming. That'll be the next. That that's this arc. Get him being a war boy with Balder. <laughs> in the land of the ice giants or something i'm on board surprise eric hates it i assume i hate everything and then we're back with future thor yep fighting in the entropy universe with some alan moore wolverine showing up he just looks just like alan moore oh my god <laughs> wearing a kimono Oh, and ninja socks. I, I I am on board for this. I don't. Yes. Yeah. I I am on board. As Jason Aaron can write Thor for the rest of his life. That's fine. Every version of it has been good. I I like it. This is I'm all on board for this. He chooses artists. They I don't know if he. I honestly I don't know how Marvel works. That Jason Aaron goes. I want this guy or whatever. It seems like he is the number one writer there now, but. Mike Del Mundo, Christian Ward, uh, Russell Dowderman, Isad Ribic, all these dudes are terrific artists, and they are all crazy and colorful and dynamic and weird, and I really appreciate that. And this is a great comic book. Bye. I'm typically very surprised every time I see it, the, uh, the, the, the Del Mundo art, and just how... He's so capable of going cartoony on it and how naturalistic it feels. Because I never really think of him as a very cartoony artist. I think of him as a very painterly artist. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I'll be damned if he doesn't, like, nail the cartooning on this. It's just gorgeous. He's a hell of a talent. This is a great book. It's double by Thor number one. Next up, Plastic Man, number one. Written by Gail Simone. Art, Adriana Mello. Colors, Kelly Fitzpatrick. Letters, Simon Boland. Six issue miniseries of Plastic Man. I can't really think of a lot of Gail Simone books that I've read, and I don't know that we've ever read any. We have. Um, what do we read? Uh, Are we, we talking read... single issues like yeah, this? Yeah, we've read some single issues of stuff. We've read some Batgirl back when she was writing it back early in the podcast, and she mm-hmm. was writing the new Secret Six comic, I think. 
And we read it the first issue of that. I don't remember really caring for that Batgirl, but a lot of people were really big on it. I mean, I I, I think my general sentiment on Gail Simone is I respect the hell out of her. I generally mm. don't like her comic books. I think I'm on roughly that same page. If anything, her Twitter is great just for her trolling. Uh, and it's not, it, it's kind of, it feels like she's like the same place as Scott Snyder in that I can, and we're Dan Slott on Spider-Man where I can like recognize that they're talented, but their style just is all, it feels like running at like opposite angles from each other. And I don't know, I can't just, we are not aligned in most cases. Um, and I think, honestly, this book is probably the closest that I've come to saying I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a really good time reading it. I thought she did a very good job with the. I think it's a little convoluted and confusing. Um, I mean, I'm not familiar with any of the Plastic Man backstory, and I don't know. It didn't read too, too cleanly, but it's still, I think, a really solid and fun book. I don't know. I had a good time reading it. I'm surprised that I'm surprised you're soft on it at all. I think that that's my like it has I think it's that kind of discordant tone. I think that is the thing that is detracting it. It's a little bit like I think Plastic Man. I think silly like I think Howard the Duck. I think Mm -hmm. that same silly, dumb. Yeah. And I'm fine with that largely. It's just I think this is like this also has like, oh, actually, he feels really guilty. And there's a and also there's a mystery. And also there's like secret agents around. Like there's like a lot of stuff happening all at once. Right. And it's a little I'm like, I'm just like, I want more of maybe one or two things, not seven things all happening at once with there's mob people and there's romance and there's secret agents and th- and there's also murder mystery and also superheroes may be bad i don't you know it's a lot of stuff happening it's not bad i i i'm, I'm i think i'm a mushy bye in the end that sounds about right it's amazing how the weather went away Continuity. <laughs> i i have enjoyed this book um i understand your uh your your reservations but I just think it's full on good, and I hope it'll be fun. I don't understand the Wang jokes. Yeah, I don't. I either. just, I, I just don't. I don't. I don't either. I, I, I think Gail Simone's Gail Simone's humor makes sense only to Gail Simone. I, I, I think I'm a mush meter of three. 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 I think that's three. That's that's pretty mushy. Mm, I think so. I think I'm, I'm, I'm a mush meter of zero. Okay. That sounds about right. That's a double buy, Mushmere 1.5. Our next book is Hawkman, number one, written by Robert Venditti, pencils Brian Hitch, inks Andrew Curry and Brian Hitch, colors Alex Sinclair, letters Starkings, and Comic Craft. So, Eric, before you read this comic book, what do you know about Hawkman? Um, he's part hawk, part man. He can fly. Sometimes he's got a mace. He's in DC, and he's a comic book character, so nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's. I knew he had wings, and I knew he wore a helmet, and I knew he carried mm-hmm. a mace, and he liked hitting dudes with that mace. I knew that. 
I knew that much. He was, I knew he, uh, my, my, this is my idea of him, was he was kind of a brute, that he loved hitting people with maces. Mm-hmm. And I can get, them. I can get behind that, you know, in, in general principle. Mm-hmm. To, Flying uh, around macing people. Yeah, sure. After reading this comic book, which, I mean, I assume that, it, you know, they put Brian Hitch on this thing. I assume that is an effort to get people behind Hawkman, mm-hmm. a character that is a, a relative lower, like a, a, a more unknown character, at least definitely by us. You, you get Brian Hitch. Yeah, it's going to get someone's attention. I still don't know really anything about this guy. Well, apparently sometimes he's uh, Indiana Jones. I was... I, I, yeah, this is, I was, I had that thought as I was reading this comic, it's like, this is very Indiana Jones, him going into this old temple and fighting a big... Like, he, he couldn't be chased by a, a giant ball. No, it's a giant gorilla with a third it's eye. It's a giant gorilla that's made out of rock. Mm-hmm. A giant living rock gorilla. With wings. With wings and three eyes. And there's his butt. Do you want me to send you a picture of this butt? No, I'm good. I don't need any more. Uh, I'll let you know. Well, I'm I'm sorry. It's already been put into motion. Oh no! Oh disaster! So I I I don't get I don't get any more like oh good thank you for that. Told you. I you did. You're a man of your word. I, let it be said. Let it be known. Let it be known. So Eric... let it be written. So let it be done. <laughs> I. It, I don't, this just, they see with nothing. It's just like, Hawkman is, he's been reincarnated a bunch of times, I guess. I don't know. So don't, I, Apparently, they, whatever that means. I, yeah, it doesn't make any sense, really. It does like, all of it, like, it doesn't, it feels like it's like throwing everything at the wall about, mm-hmm. he's like, he's Indiana Jones, and he's also lived a hundred lives, and also, uh, ominous portent about the future, also, he can fly? Like, well, I don't, get, Give me one thing first, and let's worry about that versus all of the things that are all kind of, it's just like Jack of all trades, master of none kind of thing, where it's just like, I still have no idea who this character is. Like, I would assume that Hawkman number one is like, hey, here's what Hawkman is. Maybe charm you. Maybe you, maybe you kind of start liking this character. I, I don't know who he is. I have no idea what Hawkman is still. Well, I mean... He's a hawk man, part hawk and part man. I don't and part mace. I, I think, I think I like Hitch's art in this more than that JLA book he was doing. Yeah, I mean Hitch is okay. I think Hitch does an awful lot of work to just sort of be okay. I I don't. This know. looks. This looks. I don't know what it is. It. God. I guess it's just all Hitch that's making me. It it just it feels like friggin' reading the uh, the ultimates. It does. I uh, I don't know. I guess Hitch just carries that with him. He does. It's it's. I was gonna I was gonna I, I'm gonna say blame the colorist, but I'm not even trying to be mean. But it really does kind of feel like that. I don't, I don't know. I it, it's not that it's like aggressively bad. It's no, just, it's it's it's, I, it's just like so un like it's not charming. Yeah, it's a. I think it's a bland shade of good. You yeah. know, it's it's. I'm I'm interested, mostly just because okay, well, we're gonna take Hawkman and 
throw all these resources at it. And I mean, I'm interested in someone telling an interesting slash potentially good Hawkman story. And it's, it's not like this isn't fun, you know? He fights a giant winged rock three-eyed ape thing. I don't know. Doesn't really say a lot. Doesn't really do a lot. I think it has promise. And I I mean, I don't know. I think it has value. I'm intrigued, at least. You know? I don't... I, I can't muster anything. And I think that's... That, that kind of speaks to what it is. I'm... A I'm, do, I'm, a I'm only a little... Yeah, I'm only a little bit warmer on it than that. I think I would probably go... I don't know, three? Mushy three? On the mush meter? Yeah. Okay. I could I could be talked into higher, but I'm going to leave it at three. I could probably be talked into lower too, but <laughs> ain't feeling it. I'm, I'm again. I don't. I don't. I can't. I don't think I can muster the energy to debate. I just. It's just it. It needs to. If you're going to get me on board with Hawkman, you're going to have to do. You're going to have to do something. I don't. World ending. Do something. Do world ending calamity is. I think that would be. That's more discouraging to me than just like a very simple problem that hawkman has mm-hmm. to fix yeah just let him go hit something with his mace man he's got that big mace you he, he, he got started all right with that big gorilla like that's i think a good start but then then you saw visions and magic and i think what you really want is you want the marvel answer to this hawk guy true it's true it, it, might, it must be true this is that's uh what you're, that's what you're missing hawkman number one split decision with a wish meter three our last book of the week is Shanghai Red, number one. Art, colors, cover, Joshua Hickson. Script plus design, Christopher Sibella. Letters, Hassan Asmanahal. Logo, Dylan Todd. With editorial assistance, Andrea Shockling. I just wanted to say Shockling. Did you, did you pronounce Hassan's uh, name correctly? Probably not. I'm not. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm bad at this. Uh, well, pronouncing names is, is challenging. People have strange names that people can't just be named Goodnight. I know a, Eric a Zebulon you, you, Goodnight. Come on, easy. You don't have to pronounce. You don't have to pronounce Zebulon. Zebulon. Yeah, and Is that Zebulon's Zebulon's right enough. You don't even know how to pronounce my name. You have no hope for pronouncing Hassan Oe's name. You're my and you're my mess, the best man at my wedding. I can't even say your name right. Uh, That's true. Pirate lady, pirate comic book. Mm-hmm. Violent. <laughs> yeah, it's just cutting throats. <laughs> yeah. Taking names. Yep. A lot of people, a lot of death in this thing. Uh, A revenge story. Mm-hmm. Th- there's a lot. This is, for, for one issue, there's a lot happening here. Yeah, it's uh, pretty quickly paced storytelling. There's a lot of words in here, but at least, like, the it's setting up a lot with all the shit that it's throwing at you. Yeah, I, I would say that's probably my only complaint, mm-hmm. is that it's a little too wordy. Yeah, but at least they're useful words. Yeah, they're not bad words. It just feels like I, I, I think I understood a lot of it without mm-hmm. them. It, the, the art yeah. communicates the story pretty well. Yeah. And, you know, hey, a lady pirate hanging out, pretending to be a man so that she can be a pirate or a, a sailor or whatever. uh going back to get some blood out of some people and pretty good i like i like that i think the art is very good um 
it's dark and it has a lot of potential uh and the only a little wordy but aside from that i like it i i think you know revenge stories i think are pretty common but this one's got my attention i don't the only also i don't know it i think our modern my uh, my modern idea of what portland is also takes a little bit out of it mm-hmm. cuz like we, portlandia i've been to portland it's a very it's a nice city it's a very there weren't pirates there no very genteel mm. very very white very wheat grass <laughs> lots of wheat grass well maybe that's that's that that's what it's going to be when she gets off the boat <laughs> it's going to be modern day portland she's passed through a wormhole i think that would be a really that that story would not hold up for a couple of issues even i think you could <laughs> it would get really stupid and boring that's one skit really in quickly basically yeah exactly that's a that that is a fucking portlandia skit one it lasts five minutes and it's over yeah uh i'm a buy on this i think it's good uh i i mean and that's where i think it's good yeah i think that's where i'd leave it too it is um competent and a good read and i would i would i would call it um above average and worth reading yeah exactly. probably better in a collected format yeah but i mean I, I i feel like this issue gives you a lot to chew on you know i think it's, mm-hmm. it's oh absolutely very dense um i'm bye straight up i think so too but it's not an excited buy it's just like you said it's good i mean it is it is certainly worth reading i like good comic books i they're getting harder to find eh, they're out there we just don't read them all the time this is true <laughs> keep finding the crappy ones well i gotta you know i gotta keep you on your toes eric gotta gotta represent gotta know her where the market is exactly you know sometimes there's good comics and sometimes there's bad ones and i yeah. want to know about all of them that's gotta a dub- know about all of them a double buy on shanghai red number one that's it for Floppies for Nightly. Uh, we'll have more comic books next time, I promise. We can move on to our next segment. It's time for Checking In. Checking In is the power show. Eric and I will talk about what we've been doing the past couple weeks. Uh, talk about anything we think is newsworthy or about stuff we've checked out or nerdy nerdy stuff. You know, it's our time. I'll, get, I'll start us off, Eric, so then you can give us a Heroes Con update. How's that sound? That sounds pretty reasonable. So, uh, there's a Steam sale going on right now. There is. Um, did you know there is a uh, a setting you can check in Steam that will show you your lifetime say uh, how much you spent in Steam over your lifetime? I yes, I've I've looked at that that number. Did it make you sad? No, not really. Okay, that's good. I'm aware of my. It, I'm aware. <laughs> of of my depravity i was just gonna say because uh someone on um someone on reddit posted that and he had spent eleven thousand dollars in steam it's a lot it's a fair amount to spend on video games it is. i was i was wondering what your number was i'll tell you off there okay fair <laughs> it's less than that it's less than eleven. I'm glad that it's less than eleven thousand dollars. I'm I'm honestly scared to look, but I really don't spend that much money on it. No, you're probably 
they're probably pretty pretty modest number. Uh, I bought I bought uh, some games. Um, uh, not a lot, honestly, because I have a lot of. Ga- I already have a lot of games that it, I can't. You can't buy games you already own unless you buy them for it's other true. people. Uh, so I bought uh, a few games. I bought the Division because it was very cheap. Finally, uh, I bought uh, Earth Defense Force, <laughs> the four point one, the new one. Which is a very dumb game where you shoot giant insects, and then uh, I the game I'm going to talk about a little bit is Nantucket. I bought. That's that's weird. Which is a Moby Dick simulator. So you're saying that there's a game about Moby Dick called Nantucket. It is a game. It's not. Is this is this a is this like a limerick game? It is not a limerick game. It is a whaling simulator game where you are a pl- whaling simulator. <laughs> yeah, management simulation simulator and management game where you are you're you're five years after the end. I mean, liter- when I say Moby Dick simulator, I mean it's literally because you are Ishmael, and it's mm-hmm. five five years after the events of Moby Dick, and you are. Now you now you have your own boat. You are a captain, and you are going out to finish the job to finish uh, and kill Moby Dick. And you start off with a tiny boat with only a handful of crew. You manage your crew. You they there's RPG elements obviously where you upgrade your boat and you upgrade your sailors, and they're good at different things. And there's storms and random events out in the sea, and you take missions, and you you sail out. You have to stock up on supplies, and you hunt sharks and whales, and you go up to Iceland, and you go south to Africa, and you go, you know, you, it is that. It is, you get an old-timey-looking map, and you sail around on it, and you adjust to the wind, and it's, I don't, if I didn't like Moby Dick... I don't think I'd like this game, but I think that one additional extra little bit of layer, which has nothing to do with the game, and it's it's the effort of Herman Melville a hundred years ago, but it I think it it makes it so that I like this game. It it, it has a lot of flavor, the art style and the sounds, and there's like as you sail there the the yeah, there are sea shanties that play, uh, that are very good, and it. Every time you go to port, there's a new newspaper with the news events of the time. It's all very heavy. Like, the theme is very well done. It's not an incredibly complicated game. Like, it's this... it For, like, a management sim, it's really not that heavy. There's a lot of those types of games, which I just get overwhelmed instantly. Where I'm like, I have to think about so many things at once. I can't do this. There's too many spreadsheets in this game. This game is relatively simple, and the tutorial does a pretty good job. Um, combat is a little bit random, and I think it puts off some people. I don't really care. Dice rolls are fine with me at, at, in small doses. It's a fun game. What a weird, weird thing. It is a strange game, but I think that's also part of its appeal to me, is that, that this thing exists. That I, I can appreciate that, that someone went, you know what we should make? A Victorian whaling simulator based off of Moby Dick, and they did it. There once was a game called Nantucket. Mm-hmm. It was about Moby Dick and did not rhyme. It's a good, it's a good limerick. Mm. I don't mean to be blunt, but I'm still not going to rhyme. I have one other thing I wanted to talk about, uh, which is potentially gigantic. Honestly, uh, yeah, 
it it's coming on the heels of the last of the last episode talking about how GameStop could suddenly of course now GameStop might be being sold but whatever GameStop might be start becoming comic book stores now Walmart is going to be a comic book store at least mm-hmm. a little bit because DC has a signed an ex- I guess they had signed it but it has been revealed that DC has signed a deal with Walmart to release four new comic books exclusive to Walmart not these mm-hmm. are these are not there is a, there is reprinted material in here but there are also new stories that will not be available anywhere else uh four titles superman batman jla and teen titans giant is the overarching title where there i think there'll be 100 page books for $5 with 22 pages of new material and then everything else is reprints of older stories including Brian Michael Bendis writing batman Starting in issue three or something of Batman, I think that Brian Michael ben- My- Brian Michael Bennis will be writing his first Batman uh, comic officially. It's and- almost like people are listening to the lots and lots of loud criticisms that the direct market is uh, kind of choking and killing comics. Yeah, exactly. And there's a a lot more people shop at Walmart than mm-hmm. they do at a comic book store. Yep. Millions and millions and millions of people do. And if they, their child goes off and, you know, hey, mom, can I go look at the books? And they see a big Batman comic book. That's where I got my first comics. Mm-hmm. It was at a, at, at a grocery store. I did not buy, I didn't buy my first comics at a comic book store. It was at a grocery store when my mom was shopping. And I was like, mom, can I take, can I have this? Can I get this Wolverine or can I have this X-Men? And Tyler Crook was talking about how he saw um, some like Marvel collected old comics for sale at uh, his grocery store, which I thought was really interesting. So I, this has not happened yet, but it's another another thing that I mean, I think people have been saying this for a while, but I think it is an inevitability where the both Marvel and DC and then as probably the other companies on an image and dark horse and boom and whoever knows the other publishers if they can work something out but they i think they themselves see that their market is being limited by the direct market that they could sell more comics and get Mm -hmm. more people to make more people fans of their comic books if they branched out and this is another step in that direction time will tell so eric how's heroes con Heroes was um uh, pretty good. It's um it it's it's weird really just sort of how chummy Heroes has gotten, you know. It it it's interesting. I don't really get as much time to walk around and talk to every single person that I want to when I'm tabling. Mm-hmm. And I there's only so many people I can hang out with at night, you know, after the con. Mm-hmm. So I swear to God, it sounded like it was just such a friggin' blur. It really did. It felt like every second of it went by in in in, in an eye blank. I don't know. It's pretty much the same. Like, oh gosh, I'm trying to think. I did get um, commissions from. Uh, I never thought I'd be able to get it, but I got one from uh, Chuck Forsman and from uh, Michelle Fife which I'll have to show to you. Awesome. It was really very exciting. They're going to end up going in the uh, collected book that uh, you and I probably talked about, how I wanted to do, you know, short stories 
about our character Grace. Mm-hmm. But both of them, both of them did a version. It was pretty fantastic. <sighs> I'm trying to think who I met new. My uh, table mate was uh, Greg Bo Watson, who I definitely enjoyed talking to. He was just this South Carolina redneck. He had a really energized fan base. I enjoyed talking to him quite a lot. He was a, a very fun and interesting artist and like I don't know. I saw some uh, some some similarities between the two of us. You know, he he definitely made a lot of his impact on people by being like an outgoing southern gentleman that draws a lot of uh half naked women so it's pretty fun that's a pretty neat dude sounds familiar don't know anybody like that right no not not a single one not a not a single not a single little person gosh who else did i mostly it was just trying to see the same people again um i met land pits for the first time i think that's his name uh, I had already been following him, though. Um, pretty much the same, the same uh, murderers row of folk. Um, Chris Visions wasn't here this year. He was a, a notable uh, absence. Um, got to talk to. Actually, it was pretty neat as I spoke to um, uh, Trace Dean. I think his last name is Dean. Let me make sure. Yeah, it's Trace Dean. I spoke to him, and he said that last last year, I uh, I gave him a, a whole set because he he did the Joey Ryan comic, right? So I showed him I showed him those comics or those uh, stickers that I did. You mean famous Dick Ruff's, famous Dick Ruffler Joey Ryan? That's the one, that greasy bastard. Um, he said he gave one of my stickers to Jason Aaron. I don't remember which one he gave him because they were. He said that we're going to go by code names, and he took he took the Rock because, of course, he loves the Rock so much. But it 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 um, it warmed my heart to see it. Um, you know that someone else gave it to Jason Aaron, and I assume he kept it. He could have put it in the trash for all I know. Um, gosh, what else fun happened? <laughs> Got to meet um, a couple of my Atlanta friends, uh, you know, friends of friends that I, I hadn't met in person, notably um, Emmett, Hemmen, Emmett Helen's husband, uh, Jesse, who's a neat dude. Stayed up, got tired, and got drunk with those guys. That was a, that was fun. Um, hung, out with, uh, hung out with some patrons, too, so that was exciting. That was more or less... Um, what it was, you know, meeting new people. I will say, I don't think I told you this story, though, but possibly my favorite um, art-selling moment that's ever happened in my life. I was chatting with my friend Shane Bowler, whom I had met two or three years ago at uh, one, of the, um, one of the Brimper's parties at BW3s. Mm-hmm. Um, when a, a young woman, young girl, she was 12 or 13, uh, had come back to my table after wandering around, and she informed me that she was going to spend every dollar that she had left that she had brought to Heroes Con, and she was going to buy my um, 
my Hamilton poster that she was so excited about and she was so happy for. And it was a really, a really beautiful moment. It was like really, I don't know, like Heroes Con is not really a great con for making money unless you're already kind of an indie comic superstar or apparently you're, you're Greg Bo Watson and you already have like a huge, like, um, local cadre of people that are going to come see you anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like a really beautiful moment. This young, this young kid just so excited to talk about the piece and so happy about the subject matter and just really, I, it, it, um, it really, it really warmed my cold heart. It was a, a really wonderful thing. But I mean, other than being behind the table for the most part and, you know, getting to party a little bit, that's that's basically the long and the short of it. I did get to hang out with some folk and we sat and watched the live stream for the um, the art auction and uh, everyone made fun of everything. It was quite hilarious because it's some pretty ridiculous. I, I, I don't know. I, I wonder if the. Uh, the art auction video is still available to watch because it was broadcast live. If that was uploaded to the the page, either for heroes or uh, for the the store, heroes aren't hard to find. It would probably be worth sort of panning and scanning through it. There was a Hulk piece that was a very average painting that sold for like twelve hundred dollars. It was really stunning. It, it, I think it really says something about who goes to cons to spend money. It's really very strange and enlightening. People have a That's very about, I think people certain people have a very different. Uh, I don't know. I it's easy to get locked in on how I view a comic book convention, but a lot of people it, have very different perspectives than I do. It really, really is true, and. I don't know. It's very random and very surprising, you know, what people are interested in and what they aren't, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know. It's hard to reach people and hard to, to energize them. That Hulk piece, was just so surprising. I don't even think it was by a big name person. It was just a rather large painting and there must've just been two or three people that just wanted it real bad. Because the price it went for was, I don't really think worth it. But it was still interesting to watch, nonetheless. I had always avoided the auction. The drink and draw was a lot of fun, though. We did, we did hang out for most of the night for that event. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna go to one of those, one of these heroes cons eventually. It's gonna happen. Yeah, dude. You can be my booth, babe. <laughs> <sighs> you might be disappointed by that. Nah, man. I'll oil, oil you up like Joey Ryan. You'll be beautiful. I don't. I don't. I don't have the body Joey Ryan has. I mean, that is true. He does exercise and yeah. flip people for a living. Yeah. So I think it's okay. <laughs> you know, you're beautiful in my eyes, Robbie. It's, you know, body standards. It's 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 a hard hard. You don't life. you don't have to hate yourself. Do you know I watched the movie? What? Yeah. Which one? I watched The Incredibles. The first one or the second one? The second. Well, both. Okay. But. I think it's relevant to talk about the new one and not the 15-year-old movie. I mean, I like that old one. I I do still enjoll it. How is it, too? I, think I, 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 I want to see it. The, I just I haven't seen should, it yet. 
you should see it. I'll just give you a quick uh, spoiler-free play-by-play that I think um, they have done a pretty good job of um, making it fit. The story is largely about um, uh, Mrs. Incredible slash Elastigirl. Mm -hmm. Um, She's very cool in it. I think that the story is a little too obvious and that I think basically once the once everything is essentially in place, you're just like, okay, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. You know, anyone that's read a lot of, I mean, I'm hesitant to say genre fiction, but that probably counts too, but superhero fiction even, mm-hmm. it's pretty obvious where everything's going. But it's still worth sitting through. You know, you don't, I don't think you go to, watch the incredibles to be regaled with like an amazingly you know tightly plotted amazing movie you know it's just all right like i love this first movie the the god um the the baby and edna edna mode are amazing the scenes with them together are fantastic um the baby fights a raccoon and it might be it might be the best thing that Pixar has ever animated. It is very entertaining. It was just absolute cinematic gold. Babies fighting raccoons? Stop digging. You hit oil. You fucking struck oil. Absolutely. <sighs> I think you should go see it. Like I, I, I want to see... I, I think they need to do more in the Incredibles universe. I'm coming off of this movie with an appetite for more. Like, I I mean, a TV show or something. You'll get you another know? movie in 15 years. Be patient. I am I am not going to wait another 15 years for a third movie. Well, they need to get off. I, Brad Bird needs to fucking get off his ass. Well, well Eric, I got some good news for you then. Because mm. they're not going to make any more Incredibles movies. You won't have to worry about it because you won't ever see another one. Well, that sounds about right. I'm, Where did you hear that? Uh, the fact that it took 15 years for them to get Brad Bird to make a second one. I don't. I'm hesitant to, to for him well, that he'll just do another, a third <laughs> one right away. I think. Uh, I think the. I think the property is owned by Pixar. They just need to take it from him. I understand that, but I. I don't. I. I don't. I still don't get it. I don't know what disney pixar relationship is i don't know mm-hmm. oh the whole thing's a crazy mystery i was just talking to my brother about that how they wanted all the toy story movies to be musicals and you know pixar had to stand up to disney and say no we're not gonna do that we're gonna make our own movies it seemed for a while they were going to merge and do away with the pixar brand but it really is true that Pixar has kept a very different style mm-hmm. than other Disney movies. That Disney is still their biggest successes and their their biggest headlining movies are still the very traditional ones, and they're going to mostly let Pixar do the non traditional stories. But I'm not going to. I'm surprised. I'm amazed they made it Incredibles too. That it happened. Uh, I don't. I'm not going to hold my breath for a third movie. Well, it could be a third anything. I I want I want more in the world and I think that 
I don't know. We'll we'll see how this goes. I think it's a very good movie, and I'm glad that it got made. It's uh, it made me very happy to see it. You want to talk about some Black Bolt? Uh, that, that's it for checking in, folks. So uh, we move on to our final segment. It is time for Nerdboy Book Club. Nerdboy Book Club is a part of the show. Eric and I will sign a longer collected work and discuss it in depth, like you would a book club, a book in a book club, but it's a comic book. There, got that all straight. Uh, we're talking about Black Bolt, Volumes 1 and 2 by Saladin Ahmed and Christian Ward. Uh, Blackagar Boltagon in Space Prison. Still not a good name. Space Prison. Space Prison with the Absorbing Man. Name your crimes. Repent your crimes. Repent your crimes. And a new, a, 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 I would say a, a look at Black Bolt that breaks him down. And rebuilds him into mm. a, a new character, I would say. A different character than before. Which I don't, I, I think is, is needed at this point. If following writers actually follow through with that and keep up with this version of the character, it's the slump, somewhat different version than the previous version. I don't know if they will, but this version of the character I think is a totally different character than the one that is you see in... Inhumans or uh, Silent War or any of that stuff, even even so, even in the new Inhumans books, I think this this Black Bolt is different than those. So, in terms of what being more vulnerable, yes, being more, um, I don't know, being more compassionate, yes. So I do think that the only impression that I ever really had of Black Bolt was that he was very standoffish. He was very aloof. Yeah. I mean, it is it is that the stoic king. Yeah. It is that was his his character like you like even back to Kirby and Lee Fantastic 4. Mhm. Even then it was this big dynamic looking character that didn't really talk and if he did, you know, it unleashes destruction. And as you know, they humans are largely ignored for a long time with here little tiny stories here and there or as guest characters in Bayer books until uh, the uh, Paul Jenkins and Jay Lee book. That book featured them very significantly. And then they've had multiple pretty significant books in until the giant Inhumans push from Marvel because they didn't have the rights to X-Men. And they wanted a money, something they could actually create new characters with. Um, but he was always, he is, uh, he is that imperial, stoic, calm leader who has to make tough decisions, even if they're like, you know, two, two bad decisions. I have to choose one. What do I do? You know, that the, a lot of black or, or the other, the other aspect of that is, this guy who who wields this incredible power who who if he wished at any moment he could defeat anyone because he's so powerful mm -hmm. but what is the cost of unleashing that power and the first thing that happens in this book his power stripped from him and that it is it is uh i met in 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 one of the afterwards or one of an interview i read maybe i forget where, where i read it but he's like i always i've always you know, I've always felt more akin to street-level characters, to blue-collar kind of characters like the Absorbing Man, like Crusher Creel. And 
he apparently was working on a Crusher Creel pitch for a miniseries when they said, well, do Black Bolt for us. And he said, I don't, at first I was, I didn't know much about him. And when I read it, read up on him, it was very much like, oh, this is not very, not my kind of character that I like to write. It felt very, you know, he's, he is that imperial stoic, noble, noble leader guy. But it, like, by, I think, by attaching him to this, to a Crusher Creel, to these other characters in this prison, by putting him in jail and, putting him in a jail that that is of his their own his race's own making you know it it forces him out it forces uh, it forces change one that i enjoy i think crusher krill is vital to the story it would not be very good without him there would just be black bolt being real quiet and he does he humanizes it like the story is too weird without him you know, mm-hmm. it grounds. I think this it, is a th- yeah. This is a weird book in general, as any Inhumans book tends to be. Um, but I, I definitely find it easier to read and enjoy in the sections with Crusher Creel, Carl. Excuse me. Yeah, how dare you? I think he grounds the book. He grounds the. He grounds everything because he is. He's one. He is an old. He's just as old in a character as Black Bolt is. You know, he's uh-huh. existed in, since the Silver Age, just like Black Bolt has. And there's multiple like that's the, the, that this book secretly is very Silver Agey. Like it has a lot. It, like it's very Kirby, I think, uh, because it has a lot like all in like it is all those old that era and like the the monster the kirby monster mm-hmm. that's in there and i i was just like what they have like to, to you mean sh- the giant monster yeah that the, yeah the space baby brain reads mm-hmm. blinky yeah blinky blinky uh she got, got it she's got eyes she's got eyes guys um like it, it, it has all of those. Th- it has Black Bolt. It has Crusher Creel. It has the Metal Master. It has that monster. It like it has a scroll. Mm-hmm. The scroll is basically an orc. Yeah, I mean, it's not shape, a very. It's not. Shape. She's not a very. She's not a very scrolly scroll. No, she she is a she is the anti scroll. <laughs> she is a scroll yeah. who hates the most of the scrolls, but. Those are all like all of that is so Silver Age and older, and it it is. I don't know. I I appreciate that. I appreciate people taking those things and bringing them into the modern a modern era and contextualizing them in a different way and giving them nuance and depth that they never had before and letting us see like not just throwing them out, you know, to the trash. Mm-hmm. And I think pretty much whenever we read a Black Bolt story, you always have a much deeper appreciation for it. I'm really only getting stuff on the surface levels. I mean, not I, that I don't appreciate, you know, the things that you're saying. I just think that I'm not getting quite as much out of that as you are. This is a this is a good story that it for me cements. You know, Ahmed is a is a is a good competent writer. Like I think I'm I'm more interested in in um oh what's the book he's doing now? I can't think of the name of it. Quicksilver? 
He is doing Quicksilver. I thought he was doing the uh, the alternate dimension book with Exiles um, as well. He's doing both of them. Yeah, I'm more interested in Exiles right now. Um, Quicksilver should be interesting as well. It does really seem like he's hitting a lot of your high points here. He is. Uh, I mean, I think you have to. It's a thing I think about a lot about Black Bolt in that he's. And like I think I bring up every time we talk, you just mentioned like it's weird. Like that's why I think I like I like this book, and I don't really like Royals as much. I didn't like mm-hmm. e- any of the Inhumans books that much because it was treating them this, like normal heroes. This is unquestioningly better than any other Inhuman stuff that we have read in a really long time. It, it does cut deeper. It is undecidedly more interesting. I just, I'm just definitely not getting the depth of feeling out of it that you are. I love Black Bolt. Yeah, that's a big part of it. He is, you know, certainly on your short list, maybe top three favorite Marvel characters of all time. And I mean, he, it's a, and like, I think this book opens up more potential for that character in the future. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you can't do a bunch, like, a silent, uh, this silent ruler who just can't talk ever and just communicates with hand la- sign language with his wife. And they are rulers and they make hard decisions. And sometimes they do shitty things because they have to because they're king and queen and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's a little one note, maybe. You can only do that so many times before you have to change the character so that you can have new stories to tell. And this is what that this is doing. You know, they all those inhuman books, they treat all these characters like they're normal heroes. They treat them like they're they're the Fantastic Four or the X-Men or the Avengers. And it's a I think I've been a large problem with a lot of Marvel team books in general, in that they're all written the same way. You know, I don't that's the charm to me in reading an X-Men book versus a Avengers book versus an X versus a Fantastic Four book. In that these teams are very different from each other and they all have different goals and they react to the world in different ways. And for a long time, it has felt like all these these hero, these team books are all written the same kind of rubric and the same kind of template and mm-hmm. makes them incredibly boring. Um, Hickman was the one person I think when he was writing Avengers, it felt like Avengers had a unique voice. It, it, it wasn't necessarily the same as it always has been, but it was... This very this kind of Tony Stark, Captain America, Thor driven thing where we're going to make the whole world the Avengers, like this expansive thing. And the humans books lately have just felt like team book B, like here's Crystal. This sounds like any number of superheroes when she talks. What's special about her? And like all these humans are like, like. Warren Ellis' Karnak book wasn't amazing by any means, but at least it gave, like, it made Karnak feel incredibly weird. And this is what this book does for Black Bolt. It makes him feel incredibly weird. Like, there, like that segment where we get his, him being raised, and he lives in a cage as a child, because he's too dangerous otherwise. Like... That's incredibly strange. That is a, and it's a thing that they don't really haven't really talked about a lot, despite the fact that like he is a main character in uh, in humans book. They don't talk about the fact he was like 
grown up in a cell, you know, and Ahmed brings him right back to it. You know, it's good symmetry there and it makes perfect sense. And it is kind of instrumental in breaking this character down into a more compassionate character. uh, One that is reunited with Medusa. Thank God. Medusa's not dating the goddamn human torch anymore. <laughs> so can't. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, who wanted that? I don't. That's it. Feels it felt like a a gimmick, very yeah. at the very beginning. Um, which I mean, again, Crusher Creel saying exactly what we're all thinking. Mm-hmm. John, Johnny Storm, we'll run. But this book is strange. It's it's crazy, and that's important to me in an Inhumans book because they're weirdos. They're weirder than the X Men. They're inhuman. It's in the, it's in the name. <laughs> it's like it, at a certain point, it's not that complicated. They're, they're not called the. They're not called the normals. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. They're not the normals. <laughs> they're hey, this is a fish man. Hey, mm-hmm. th- this lady has living hair. This here's dude, my teleporting mustache dog. It's exactly. It's not. Yeah, Lockjaw is very cute, but he's also insanely weird. Yes. <laughs> like, think think concretely of what Lockjaw is. He is yeah. a gigantic dog that has a mustache and a tuning fork. And mm-hmm. this book is just like, oh, yeah, it's so Black Bolt and him could, like, kind of communicate. They, they Finally, they're just like, yeah. And even Crusher is like, you know you have a tuning fork in your head, right? Wishbone. Mm-hmm. Wishbone. Wishbone. And I think that that comparison is important. And I think... Ahmed understood that. He understood, if I'm going to humanize this guy, I need someone for him to bounce off of. Someone like us, or closer to us. You know, Crusher Kiel is, is, he can turn into a living ray gun, I guess, but he is not, he's still closer to us than Black Bolt is. And the fact that, like, his, the relationship with him and Titania is, like, like very touching. I, I really, him coming back from the dead, because he was, like, stored in his his ball <laughs> chain man the 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 um i was really stunned at how effective the uh, the eulogy scenes were i was not expecting to to feel that kind of shit over that i i don't know i was really pleasantly surprised well, I that think... was a real high point for this book no it's very good and it's and it also i think that's the other thing in that you know, a, a large part of this book is Black Bolt in this weird space prison with this weird jailer that can revive people over and over and over again. And then in space, and he has this little psychic girl that's also incredibly weird with a bunch of eyes all over her face. Like, everything is so weird. And Crusher's, Crusher's there, and he is kind of grounding us and keeping reminding us this is still the Marvel Universe. This guy, he's fought Thor. You know, he fought the Avengers. He's done all this stuff. And then you get to Earth and it's all a reminder like, oh, right. God, this is this. It, it is kind of giving us context for Black Bolt and the world that the humans live in. I think the best comics that connect back to the Marvel Universe as a whole do in that they go, remember, you know, look at Captain America. Look at Thor kind of your bread and butter superheroes and look at who they are and what they stand for and 
like I mentioned the Silver Age, all these Silver Age characters, that's another thing, right? That's another example of like, yeah, Cursor Kirill fought Thor in like Journey and Mystery in like 1965 or something. You know, like it long, long time ago. These characters have history. They are connected. And when you see Cap and you see Thor come to Crusher's funeral and talk about how, yeah, we, we fought many times, but, you know, Cap's like, oh, he chose a hero's end. Like, it is, it's both are like a, a touching thing to, to what we just saw in this comic book where Crusher sacrifices himself to save everybody. Also, to a reminder that all these characters know each other and they mean something to each other. You know, to Captain America, Crusher Creel is is the absorbing man. And yeah, he's fought him a bunch of times, but he's still a man. And it's still like it, it is still he's not just some supervillain to beat up. You know, it, it gives us a reminder that Captain America has a heart. He like he wants people to rehabilitate. He wants people to be better. And it's it's it serves as a touchstone in a lot of in in a lot of different contexts like that whole funeral scene does like it's all like all these little connection points to like you, you know Captain America you know Thor you you remember what just happened in the prison you like think back think about all these this web of this Marvel universe and how it connects to each other and bring more emotion out of it because of your those connections and that's like it's the best example of continuity like so often continuity is used as like this slur about how it's the devil and it's like the worst, but it doesn't have to be that way. It could be this. It can just be a very simple, like we just got really attached to this crush. Like before this, I go, yeah, the absorbing man, he's a guy, right? He's a jobber. Yeah, exactly. He's part of you the, bring him, you bring him in for your character to fight. So, you know, it looks serious. Oh, well, you can be the absorbing man. You're pretty tough. Right. He's the reckon he's part of the reckon crew. You know, he's used his absorbing powers a couple times to be very smart about it and very clever, and then he beats a hero a little bit and then the hero comes back and beats him. Mm-hmm. But that's all he is, you know? He's just a nobody. You know, one of the a C list villain. And like he's a joke, literally. Yeah. In multiple multiple comic books I can think of. Uh the the Bendis New Avengers off the top of my head, where he gets beaten up uh by luke cage i believe um jason aaron and kelly sue both use him as a jobber yes he's like he absolutely he's within easy reach and Mm -hmm. this book is an example of how hey if you contextualize any character like we get his backstory here where he loved his his mom said you could be anything and then his mom passed and he's left with his dad who was this monster and he ends up turning into a mob enforcer and then Loki gives him powers for whatever reason, and now he's fighting Thor. Because, now. because comics. Because because Loki. Which yeah, is the same answer. Yes. Um, and then suddenly, and but just having these connecting the dots here and there, and like utilizing the strengths of of writing in the Marvel universe, like you ha- can have Captain America show up at a character's funeral and say a couple paragraphs of words. And it is meaningful because it's Captain America right there because it makes you remember, oh, right. They fought. They probably fought dozens of times. They probably actually like you. They would have a relationship even if it was contentious because they fought so many times. And he jobbed for Cap, too. I'm sure he did. 
Everyone drops the cap. That's true. He's the, he's he's what the baby face? Is that what you call it? Yeah. Oh, am I learning? Am I learning my you're uh, doing wrestling a good job. lingo? You're doing a good job. On white, the correct schedule. He is a white meat baby face, as they would say. White meat, really? White, white meat baby face. Yeah. I've never, I'd never heard it before. No fat on that guy. There's no healing him. There's no tweener. He is pure. Fair. Pure Fair. baby face. Except Fair. Except during Secret Empire. I I think that's also like, ugh, the the book this this book brings up civil war and secret empire to civil war two and secret empire like oh no don't remind me yeah they can't just ignore it mm. <laughs> are you reading i the, mean i'm reading it, the it new captain america which is why he can't ignore it yes i i realize but you can clearly leave those two text bubbles out you guess those that that like one panel where <laughs> Steve Rogers shows up. He's like, "Ah, sure, I am sorry there. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know why. I it was, sounds like Foghorn Leghorn. I, I was like, yeah, I, I, I was not myself, madam. No, 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 no. See here, I was not myself. Uh, you may hear stories about how I was, I behaved poorly. Explaining in this very, this very Steve Rogers way. Um, Christian Ward's art, Eric. What do you think? Oh, this book's beautiful. Um, it gets weird and kind of steps out of character a couple of times, which is okay-ish. Um, Can you give me an example? Oh, gosh. It was like this whole section in the middle. I think it's a different artist, isn't it? Is it really the same painter? Oh, Fraser it... Irving? You mean the Fraser yeah, Irving section? I knew Fraser Irving did some assists here, but this isn't even. this doesn't even look like the Fraser Irving stuff I remember. I do remember him doing painting, but this is this this feels it's more like reading something like maybe a little bit of Sandman. But really, the thing that I think of the most is Sienkiewicz, New Mutants, just because it feels like so weird and dreamy and maybe not super great at telling the story compared to the rest of the book it really stuck out like a sore thumb to me i i i uh i love fraser irving i know that's i know that's your boy though i i don't i i think that is i don't think you're wrong in what you say but i i think i just see it as a did he did he illustrate silent war who illustrated he, Silent he, War? that was he was he did silent war so i think it's a that was you know if you're gonna have feeling issues i think having fraser irving do them is you know, a thing I don't, I don't mind as much because it, he has history with the character, and it, that mm-hmm. in that in and of itself kind of connects the dots for me a little bit. And it, if you're gonna have also Fraser Irving be doing a Marvel book, it has to be. I like it is his his art is very strange and weird, and it didn't feel that like disjointed in the story. At least it felt like a natural place to change artists at yes. the very least. Yes. Exactly. And, you know, I think I think Christian Ward Ward's art is it is very it's it's very nice. I like it a lot. Very good. Oh, yeah. And also suits the weirdness of the Black Bolt in this prison and everything happening. And it I think the thing that impresses me most about it is not the fact like I knew of him and I knew his art, but the fact that he's able to carry a lot of the comedic moments very well like it's this weird very you know it feels 
like meta barons to me almost like very epic yeah. kind of strange and epic and odd and then they in, have these very like weird like you know these asides with crusher creo making jokes about blackagar boltagon and wishbone and all that stuff and christian words art is able to with facial expressions and kind of uh how it, how the the different scenes are framed is able to have both of those things exist at the same time i wonder if he was doing the color as well i feel like this book would not work at least there are several pages that seem like they wouldn't work with a separate uh illustrator and colorist i'm pretty sure he did his own colors yeah it would it would make a lot of sense um because some of these pages are about 85 percent photoshop painting and I feel like most colorists want at least some of the work done for them. No, it's it's uh, Irving did. I mean, uh, uh, Ward did all of his own colors. Yeah, it really, it really, you can really tell. There's there's some stuff in this artwork that you basically have to be doing it from the ground up. Like some of the more psychedelic, like painting heavy pages. There's definitely not a whole lot else in there not a lot of line work or inking that people are working on. It's just like, I'm going to design a color comic page from the ground up. I think they work beautifully. Yeah, it's really good. And I don't know. I'm glad that I'm glad that black bolt is gets got this and that, that it is not I like, I like, I love it that when they, are unafraid to do weird comics about these weirdos because black Bolt's a weirdo. Like, I don't, I can't, I can't say it enough. He's a big, big giant, weird character. And you got to treat him like that. You can't just treat him like he's a Joe six pack. Like he's a crusher Creel. Mm-hmm. But you can make him be friends with one. Yeah, exactly. And then you'll cry. He will It'd be sad. I like the, mm-hmm. I like the Ahura stuff in here too. There's not a lot of it, but, Ahura has every reason in the world to hate Black Bolt, and they're 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 a, a little bit of understanding towards this this his psychotic father. I like me a good son and father. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Eric? Um, coming together. Oh yeah, redemption story. Yeah, something like that. I like. I'm I'm a sucker for that stuff. I I think we all are. We all have dad stuff that we're all fucked up about. I think if my dad hugged me, I'd say, who the fuck are you <laughs> as well? I have hugged my dad, but I had to initiate it most of the time. Also lashes in this. Marim? No, you mean I a, actually don't. You mean Akuma? I mean Akuma, I should say. Yeah, he does look like Akuma. This, I mean, he's he was in that, uh, when the, the f- that first, the humans thing started, the, the push. Mm-hmm. He was a big character in that. And then he was kind of forgotten about. Well, I'm not going to stay up all night remembering him here either. He's not very, yeah. He's he is he's a not a not a terribly important character. No, no, I don't. I'm sure he'll come back someday in the humans in some Inhumans book, but where he gets the Crusher Creel treatment. Yeah, <laughs> I think this book treats him in the right way, and that it is like, oh, the jailer shows back up from Blinky's mind. And Lash runs away. <laughs> like, hey, this bad guy, this bad guy supervillain runs away because uh, this other worst bad guy supervillain has shown up. 
Do you think this book is trying to say anything about jail, prison, American carceral state? I mean, I wouldn't put it past Ahmed. It didn't particularly jump out at me. But, you know, it did also... It it pretty closely aligned with um, my own opinions on the the cruelty of uh, incarceration and how fucked up people are. So if there was um, anything between the lines other than that, it didn't feel like a direct call out of anything. I mean, I think it is. Yeah, I think it's all subtext if it's there. You know, I think it is primarily about these characters. Um, yeah absolutely i think i just i bring it up because i think a lot of people are asking questions about it online about when they in the reviews of this and i think if anything it's just saying hey imprisoning people is a cruel business there's a lot of a lot of pain and cruelty in this Mm -hmm. and it changes people usually you know a lot of time for the worse but it's I, i think it isn't it's smart on his on their part to not make that the most important thing you know it is first about black bolt and crusher krill and blinky and all those the, the them as characters as them forging their way through this impossible situation you know which is it, it is a great way to break down this character and rebuild him is put him in a vice and squeeze him until he breaks and then pick up the pieces and glue him back together a little bit kindler and gentler, Black Bolt. And there's always still room to push him back towards that royal asshole again. I want... Where's my Black Bolt and Ahura son and father team-up book? No? Nothing? Eh. Mr. and Mrs. X has a book. What the fuck is Mr. and Mrs. X? That's Rogue and Gambit's new book. Oh, gross. You didn't see the... That's at the end of the, the, end of the X-Men no, book. Oh, yeah. Now I remember reading the ad for it, but... Mm-mm. <laughs> I think I, I think I I think my psyche forgot that immediately to protect myself. <laughs> it was a you have mental safeguards in place like Professor X. Yeah. <laughs> You're like I'm nope. waiting I'm waiting for the inevitable divorce and uh rogue getting her groove back comic. <sighs> Which should be a little bit more fun than that fucking trite ass bullshit. <laughs> I still feel pretty strongly there needs to be um uh, a, a, a Phantom X, uh, Psylocke, Phantom X Gambit, um, uh, right. like, huh? Oh, a pickup artists. Yeah, being shitty pickup artists. Mm-hmm. Just being terrible at it. Too late now. Phantom X is off being bad characters, and Gambit's you know married. So. So that'll never change. Never. It's it's, it's superhero comics, Eric. Nothing. Ever. This is. In stone now, set in stone, definitely staying married. All mm-hmm. all superhero marriages stuck for the long haul. They stay married. Yep. I mean, Mister and Mrs. Fantastic. They Reed, Richard, and Sue. They still marry. Um. Uh. Just if, if just, they if they if they break up the first family, I'm gonna. That's when we riot. Jessica Jones and Luke Cage are still married. I'm 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 for that too. I think they're still married. Last time I checked, <laughs> there's a lot of you have to really. It's hard to keep tabs on all these relationships. It's it's the truth. And Black Bolt and Medusa are back together. Mm-hmm. Happy happily ever after again. Mm-hmm. I like Black Bolt a lot. I think that's my thesis. 
I knew that before I read this. This is also a good comic and very pretty. That I could tell from the covers, but it is still a good comic, and I'm I'm a better man for having read it. Anything else you want to add? Uh, no. Okay. I still I still I still think Saladin Ahmed sword fights a lot of people. Mm, I think he he does some Twitter brawls from here and there, from what I can tell. But people need to give that mess up. I've largely have. Yep. You're wiser than I am. Um, that'll do it for us on Black Bolt Volumes 1 and 2 by Saladin Ahmed and Christian Ward. with help Fraser Irving. Uh, next time, two weeks' time, we'll be discussing The Mighty Thor, Volumes 1 through 5, uh, the Jane Foster Thor with Jason Aaron and Russell Dodderman. Talking all about all of that. That's that's all done. So we can read all of it and see how we feel and think about it. I'm sure we'll hate it. We all hate we hate Jason Aaron Thor. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, I hate comic books about Thor. Yeah, it's the worst. Oh wait, no, we love that stuff. We like hammers and the Thors and people getting hit with them. We're fans generally. But we'll be talking about that next time. Read along with us. It's on uh, volumes one through four on Comicsology Unlimited, which is really nice. I'm all on board. I'm all on board. Unlimited having a bunch of comic books I can reach for free. It's pretty nice. That's next time. I think that'll do it for us today. Uh, before we go, we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You find us at handsomeboyscomicshour.com. Links to everything there. Facebook.com slash handsomeboyscomicshour. Twitter at HBC Hour. Email us handsomeboyscomics at gmail.com. Um, if you like the show, give it a good review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you listen to us. There's a bunch of places. All of them. Give us a good review. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Those things help. They add up. They get us more listeners and we like it. You can find me online occasionally on Twitter <laughs> once or twice a day at Robbie Norman. Eric, where can they find you and your things online? You can see my portfolio by going to freewillunlimited.com and you can see most of the other things I get up to online by going to ericzgoodnight.com That includes my Instagram and my Twitter where I'm known on both as Easy Goodnight. So that folks will call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll. Rock and roll.